Hello and welcome to the San Marcos Business and Community Podcast presented to you by the San Marcos Chamber of Commerce. And today's uh, guest is City Manager Jack Griffin. Jack, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Rick. Thanks for having me. Well, it's um, it's been, how long now have you been City Manager here in San Marcos? It'll be 10 years in June. Okay. And uh, is that, so t- tell us a little bit, I, I, to me, I think City Manager is one of the t- toughest jobs because um, in order to be successful, somebody's not going to be happy. And so it's, 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 because it, you can't, you can't make everybody happy. You have to do your job and, and, you know, kudos to you and your team because you guys do a great job being fiscally responsible in the city and strategic growth. And we've seen that through, through the pandemic, but um, t- tell me before we get into some of these, cause there's some amazing projects happening in San Marcos, but before we get into that, um, tell me a little bit about how you, was this something you always want to get into <laughs> from a, from a city government standpoint or how no, did that's, that's actually really interesting. Cause I, I got a degree. Um, it's actually environmental studies, but it was really in planning. They just didn't call it that where I went to school back uh, East in Pennsylvania. Um, so that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a planner. And actually, um, when I got out of college, I got a job as a zoning officer, and I eventually became the planning director of a township uh, near outside of Pittsburgh called Moon Township. If you've flown to the old Pittsburgh airport, you were in Moon Township because that's where it was an airport community. Um, and I did that for, I worked there for 14 years and eventually was the planning director and the uh, assistant township manager when I left there. Um, uh, but, and then I've had a couple jobs. I left there and went to Chula Vista. I worked more in the construction side of things, the public work side of things. Um, and I eventually, um, the recession happened in 2007, um, and people stopped building houses in Chula Vista. So my job of building parks and fire stations kind of dried up when the housing market dried up too. Um, and so I, uh, I wasn't really looking to be a city manager necessarily. Um, but, uh, there were, you know, in a recession, you go for the jobs that are available. Right. Right. Um, so I took a job as the city manager of Sebastopol, which is up in Sonoma wine country, um, and was there for about three and a half years. Um, but we always wanted to come back down to Southern California. Um, and so when I saw the San Marcos job, I went for it, but, um, I can't say that I really desperately aspired to be a city manager. Um, in fact, I told people, I'll earlier in my career that I really didn't want to have that gig. Um, but you know, it's, it's, like I said, uh, in the recession, your choices were limited. And so I liked it once I did it, um, and, um, stayed with it. So, and, and, but I would be, I, I think it'd be fair to say I would not go on and be a city manager in lots of places. So San Marcos was clearly one place that I knew a little bit about. I was impressed by how it was operated. Um, I knew it was uh, obviously financially stable, which is always nice, but I also knew it just was a, a well-run place. And so it appealed to me that way. There's other cities I won't name that I would probably not want to have. <laughs> probably, be probably better not manager. to name those. <laughs> so you didn't, you didn't want to be an architect at first, did you? No, I have no drawing or engineering. Okay, the reason I ask, the reason I ask is because uh, if you remember the Seinfeld episode when George Costanza was giving away the was with Susan's foundation right. and the, for the scholarship, he wanted to be an architect and then he flipped and wanted to be a city planner. Okay. So, anyway, yeah. it always goes back yeah. to Seinfeld or sports for me. So. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the Creek Project. Uh, this has been a long time coming in San Marcos and um, I know there's been it's been many years and many people involved and you know, whenever you get a few drops of rain, you you have the streets flooded on on Via Veracruz and Bent, and so that project launched. Um, uh, was it early this year or was that last yeah, well, year? Well, we actually had the groundbreaking in December of 2019. Okay, uh, right before the pandemic started, um, and then it got construction got going in earnest in 2020. 
And I, I don't, uh, if anybody's driven by there and seen it progress, it's, it's really awesome to see, but I don't recommend driving by to take a look at it because it is, uh, it is a construction zone. But give us an update of where the project is right now. Sure. The most visible piece of the project for, for people that are driving is the Bent Avenue Bridge, which is, there's two bridge replacements. And so, like you said, it, when it rains, a few drops, both Bent Avenue and Via Veracruz would always uh, flood. So one of the major pieces of um, of the traffic circulation infrastructure improvement was building bridges that wouldn't flood when it rains. Um, and so we're doing them or sequentially. So Bent, Bent Avenue's first. Um, you can, if you drive down Craven or on Discovery or come down Bent um, to where it's not going to be open uh, in a week or so, but um, you can see the bridge structures actually there. Uh, the wood framing, the false work we call it, um, is all up and the concrete pouring will actually start, I think, on the 26th. Um, so it's, it looks like a bridge now um, and it takes a long time to get there. Um, so that's happening at the same time. While all that was happening, we built the, um, the levee, which is parallel to Discovery Street, which will prevent Discovery from flooding. So the bridge Bridges get bent in via Veracruz up out of the stream, and then the, the levee protects Discovery, keeps the stream in the stream bed. Um, and so that levee is essentially done. So if you drive down Discovery now, the, you see the embankment there. That's where Discovery, that'll be the level of Discovery Road when it's done, essentially. And actually, the levee will have a nice little walking trail right on top, so you'll have good views into the creek and what have you. Um, and uh, so, and then as soon as we're done with Bent, hopefully late this year, early next year, then we'll shift the focus on the bridge side down to Via Veracruz. The other piece of the project, it, it's, it's visible, but people don't really think about it. This, it's a gigantic habitat restoration project. It's, the project's a mile long, if you just take from one end to the other. Because it's all going to be green space, yeah, right? Yeah, so you have, and so the reason why we were able to get the project approved many years ago and get some of the f funding that we got into the project be is because of all of the res restoration of that stream bed um, through that, through that entire area. And so all of that gets restored to, you know, really what it ought to be before, you know, development happened in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, what have you. Um, and so a lot of that work's happening. Um, there'll eventually be a park element to it, a sort of a linear park on the north side of the creek, um, so the San Marcos Boulevard side of the creek um, will have sort of a linear park trail. It'll also connect up to the trail network that will work its way through the, uh, the west side of North City and over to the University District area. Um, so it's, it, like you said, it's been a long time coming. The projects, it's been talked about in San Marcos for 20 or 30 years. Um, I think one of the most fun things that we had at the, so we were at the, um, the Harvest Festival this two Sundays ago. And um, every year I was there, people would ask, when's the Creek project happening? <laughs> and so this is the first harvest festival. We're like, Hey, it's happening and it's going to be done. And, nice. and like, and people were, people were just really, you know, sort of happy to hear that because uh, it's been a long time coming. Um, and then there's a second element beyond the infrastructure, which is the Creek development area. That's something that is not associated with any of the work that we're doing now. And that'll sort of happen as development activity, sort of demands and people start to accumulate properties. There's a whole bunch of small properties that would need to be created. Um, and as we do our general plan update, we're going to be looking at what we think the development assumptions should be for that area. Because I think what we've learned is the, the development assumptions of the original Creek-specific plan of 2007 are way too high from a non-residential development perspective. Um, so our general plan is really going to look at that Creek area and I think right size what actually can be built down there. So is that in addition to what's being built now? So like, cause 
Barham's going to go through to meet up with Discovery. Right. So a separate project that we're working with the development community is Discovery from behind the Ralphs over to uh, where Bent and Craven intersect now. And so Discovery will come straight through. Um, and so that development is really associated with the university district properties. Um, the Creek properties would be to the area to the west of uh, the Hobby Lobby, Winco, Creekside Shop Marketplace, all okay. on that vacant property. San Marcos, between San Marcos Boulevard and, and uh, Discovery Street is what we call the Creek District. Um, and that's the area that I think from a land use planning perspective is going to get a, a, a pretty deep dive during the general plan update. And, and all the property that's being uh uh, move now and blown up is uh, that North City, right? Yeah, it's North City, and then there's a uh, well. There was the hospital site, obviously that's under construction, and then to the uh, west of that is a is a project called Discovery Village South, which is a residential development as well. Not really part of the University District area, but right across Discovery Street from it. Yeah, no, that's it's exciting. It's it's a lot of growth. I know just from our chamber office, it's it's exciting being in North City and and seeing things uh, developed. Uh, I know we're excited to have Draft Republic move into North City, which yep. uh, um, hopefully will be soon. It's it's always it's always a challenge getting into into a new space, but I think that's going to be a great addition to North City, and it's it's exciting because there's always new things popping up down here as that's well. Right, yeah. And just seeing now, we've seen it with the farmer's market, um, farmer's market every Tuesday from 3 to 7 here in North City. But we've seen it with the students returning uh, at Cal State San Marcos. It's just back to more of that um, buzz and really a great vibe here in North City with, with having the students and the faculty and administrators back as yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, it feels like downtown starting to happen. Yeah, it's, it's just exciting. it's just it's turned into a hub. It's 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 really great. It's seen saw saw a lot of students last night uh, at the farmers market. Just with um, you know from from Pima from from the university from Scripps and, uh, and Kaiser Permanente and and I even saw some people some students from University of Saint Augustine. Oh, so okay, it's just great. it's it's kind of a nice young vibe and uh, makes me feel very very old. But it's uh, <laughs> it's nice to have that have that vibe here. Um, so then, uh, uh, going back to back towards the uh, the west and the Creek Project. So one of the questions I get asked a lot is uh, about Restaurant Row and about Fries. Uh, so people driving by there, there's always questions. You know, we've been here for. Um, uh, we moved here from Chicago. It's been going on ten years now, and there's always been talk about, you know, what's you know, what's going to be new at, at Restaurant Row, and then also people driving by seeing that construction, and knowing the fries is closed. But so, what are what's going on with those two projects? So, on fries, um, that's going to be a Costco business center. Um, so that's what all the work that's happening to that building um, is associated with converting it from the fries used to a Costco business center. Um, so I think that's uh, a pretty good win for the city um, to get that kind of a user there on that space. It certainly helps us uh, sales tax wise. Um, you know, fries in its heyday was a major sales tax uh, generator in the city. It, it obviously as fries dropped off, it dropped off as well. So, you know, we're looking forward to seeing that site start to be productive again, both from a, a customer retail basis, but also from a tax generating basis. I've never um, been in a Costco business, but people that I've mentioned it to, it's like, uh, you know, that it, it's a wow. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a big deal. I mean, yeah. it's different. Than, I've not been the one either, but I've heard the same. Yeah. Thing, and so. it's, it's just different from the regular Costco and just, um, yeah. more geared towards businesses. And so it's, it's, it's great. It's a great, and a great location for that. Right. Um, restaurant row, um, the property has been sold. Um, there's no, there hasn't been any plans, 
uh, formally submitted to the city for approval. So there's not really much I can say about what's planned there because there's nothing for us to be reviewing at this point. Um, you know, we've been in conversations with the uh, the potential developer and um, trying to at least convey that, you know, it's a special site in the city in terms of its historic significance. When it opened, it was the major draw for people coming into San Marcos from, from outside the area. And so we're certainly encouraging them for whatever they want to do with that site to um, to do something that speaks to that and recognizes that it's if it's not just another site along San Marcos Boulevard. It's a site that carries some, some intrinsic value to the city and the population here. So hopefully we'll, um, we'll see a project eventually come forward that, that does that. Yeah. Especially with what's going to be across the street with the, you know, with the Creek project and, yep. and all that, it's just, it's going to be uh, beautiful and just having these different areas within the city um, that um, are just great for, for the community. Yep. Absolutely. Um, let's talk a little bit about one of the, another hot topic in San Marcos and in the state and in everywhere really is a single use plastic man. Mm-hmm. So I know that came up with uh um, to the city council at the last meeting. So talk a little bit about that and what, what that's going to look like. Sure. So uh, I would say in, in late 2019, um, um, it came up at a council meeting as sort of a general item, and the council uh, provided direction to staff to start to work on it. Um, and I think you'll recall, and I think it was either in January or February of 2020, we actually came to one of your meetings. And because the business, the restaurant community and the grocery community, they're the two of the business communities that get affected by this the most. Yeah, we ho- hosted a workshop yeah, right so here in Union Cowork. Yeah, right here. Uh, we did a, a sort of, and it was very preliminary. I was like, here's what other cities have done, you know, um, and, you know, we're just trying to get some ideas and some feedback as we, we start to develop an ordinance. Um, March 2020 happened. Um, we didn't think it made sense to be adopting regulations at that time while the business community was scrambling to stay alive. Restaurants fighting for yes, their lives, right? Exactly. So it was, it, you know, the whole the whole issue sort of got put off on the on the back burner. The only thing we, they could do is take out. Exactly. So yeah. So it didn't seem appropriate to be jumping into that uh, fray at, at that point in time. Um, as we arrived into 2021, um, the, the council had a goal setting workshop in uh, May of this year, um, and they re encouraged the staff or directed the staff, I should say, um, to, to get back to it, um, that it was probably time to start to think about it. Um, so we spent the summer uh, drafting an ordinance. Um, there's lots of examples of these ordinances around, so it wasn't like we had to invent something. Um, so we wanted to pick the pieces of what we thought were good ordinances from other places and, and then tailor them to what we thought would work best in San Marcos. Um, and we, you know, we reached out to the Chamber of Commerce, the Restaurant Association, the Grocery Association, reached out to some of the environmental groups um, to get some feedback early. Um, it's always nice on those kinds of ordinances, I think, that are – you know they're going to have a direct impact on very specific and known entities to, to say, hey, we're thinking about this. Let us know what you think before we get too far down the road. Um, so we did all that, and, and, and we appreciated the input that uh, we got from, from the chamber and others, um, and then created a sort of a final draft of it, uh, which was presented to the council uh, two Tuesday, or last Tuesday. Um, and so the council uh, had a public hearing on it, had a number of speakers all in favor of it, um, and um, and so they adopted it, what we call introduced it and adopted the first meeting of it. And then it'll come back to the council for sort of final approval next week um, on Tuesday, the 25th, I think that is, um, but um, or 26th, actually. Um, but, um, you know, the, it's a, it, the way the ordinance is structured, it sort of has three different in, implement, implementation points. And so um, on 
assuming it gets the second reading approval next week, uh, as of uh, July 1st of 2022, um, it would restrict the use of things like uh, plastic for non-recyclable uh, forks, utensils, all the sort of small stuff um, that uh, restaurants and what have you, prepared food um, air entities uh, provide. Um, so sort of we, we look at it as that the, the first trigger is the things that gets the food from the plate to your mouth. Right. Those are the kinds of things we're dealing with. Coincidentally, while we were doing all this, the state adopted and the governor signed almost identical regulations with the same date that when it, it's going into effect anyway. So it's almost like that piece of it just sort of is whatever. It is what it is because now it's the state. Um, and then there was a second trigger um, that would come in on January 1st of 2023, and that affects more of the of the container piece of it. Um, so, um, you know, you, everybody can think about, you know, the takeout food containers and what have you, uh, cups and things like that. So the bigger items. And then in 2024, January 1st, then we get into the polystyrene. That's probably the most problematic of the materials. Um, but it's also the material that most businesses have the most of because it's the least expensive. Um, and so we wanted to sort of provide a lot of time to get from, you know, now to then. Because one of the things that we didn't want to do was force any of the local businesses to, you know, who have spent money to acquire all these materials to then have to just throw them away. Right. Kind of defeats the purpose of an ordinance like that in the first place. So giving these sort of long lead times to so that everybody can sort of work their way through and plan ahead. Um, and one of the things that we know we have to do post-adoption is um, develop um, some product uh, list things so that we can put on our website so the businesses can look at that and say, okay, that one's good for this one, that one's good for that one. Um, and we wanted to work with Edco also as they get into their organics recycling. So if it was compostable stuff that we could, it works through their new facility. So, um, so we want to really be, you know, helpful. Um, but I think that this is an issue um, – whether we do it or not now, it's going to be done at a state level at some right. point. There's been legislation bouncing around Sacramento for years on this subject. Uh, I think in our case, it's just like, okay, well, we're sort of tired of waiting. Um, lots of other cities have done it. Vista did it a couple months ago. A lot of the other cities in the county have done it. Um, and it seems it's the right thing to do. And I think moving us away from all of this disposable material that you know, very often does end up in the creeks and the storm drains and in the open spaces is, is a good thing to do. Yeah. And I think like the first time you hear it, single use plastic, man, it's scary. It's yeah. like, Oh man, what's, and, and it's, and you, the more you, you learn about it and what, what materials you can use. And I know what I found was talking to a lot of restaurant owners that are already in compliance with, with what they need to do. And um, it is, it's certainly the right thing to do and it's uh, the right time to do it, especially like you mentioned with Edco and the, and the great job they're doing rolling out the organic recycling. So it's, right. um, you know, the chamber's role, you know, as I mentioned at the, at the city council meeting is we want to work with the city, work with California Restaurant Association, work with Edco and just help our members and future members just help educate them, help them make sure that they're compliant and, and also um, be able to have cost-effective measures in place moving forward. So yeah. it's, um, and, and it's, uh, and, and, Again, thank you and staff for working with the chamber and and, and rolling it out if approved in the, in the second reading. And um, uh, it does it does help with uh, really being able to educate the restaurant owners. So there's take takes away that scare factor and makes yeah. them understand that this is this is doable and this is the right thing to do. Right, I agree. So the other thing I want to talk about is the um, when when the pandemic first started, and as much as I 
don't want to always talk about COVID. <laughs> uh, you know, I just I just want to, you know, kudos to you and your staff for bringing out the uh, uh, $3 million business sustainability program uh, that began as low interest loans and then turned into grants with, with other uh, CARES Act money. So, you know, for a city the size of San Marcos, uh, that amount was real, um, real money that really helped the business owners at the time, I, I can't even count how many had called me and they were just, they didn't know what to do. It gave them hope. Sure. Um, but talk a little bit about how that, how that all happened. And it's cause it happened so quickly and it was just done so fluently. I mean, cause some of these other programs, you know, there were, you know, when the SBA idle loans came out and the PPPs and you know, that the banks weren't getting the right information and all that, but it seemed like, um, it seemed like it was a, a seamless, uh, uh, program that the city put out. Well, I, I, that kind of goes back to our, my initial, our initial co- talking about the job. Um, one of the things that attracted me to San Marcos as a place to work was the way it did business. Um, and um, not that, you know, people always say government should act more like a business and, and there's some truth in that, but it's, it's, it's kind of impossible in a lot of ways because of the process that government has to go through. Um, I think with, with respect to that program, it was just obvious to everybody, I thought, right away, right? When the first stay-at-home orders came in and all of a sudden, you know, the first thing it was was restaurants, places of assembly had to slam their doors shut. Um, and, okay, we got we have to do something, right? We can't just do nothing. Um, and the city is in a financial position, in, in a solid enough financial position that it could put some money out of its reserves Um you know, to try and help. Um, and, you know, my appreciation, you know, the staff did a fantastic job putting a program together. My appreciation is to the council to trust us to do something that we had never done before and to try and do it as quickly as we could. Um, it, you know, it seemed clear, like you were saying, it was, if it went long, the federal government and the state government was going to have to do something which they did eventually, right. but it was always that eventually part. The timing, yeah, it was never, critical. It's never fast. Yeah. So local government can be very nimble, uh, you know, when it wants to be. Um, and I think in that case, um, you know, we came up with a concept at the staff level. You know, it was literally just, okay, can we, come, can we think of a way to do something that provides some immediate help and, and a bridge to what hopefully comes? Um, and so we developed the program. Um, we didn't have anything to model it after. I mean, we invented that thing. And so myself and Tess Sangster and Sean Harrison, our office, the three of us, and, and Lisa Fowler, our finance director, we said, okay, uh, let's, what can we put together? Um, and it's really one of the most proud things, you know, I've had as city manager here, um, that we got the money out the door super fast. Um, the council recognized there was risk of not seeing some or all of it. We never thought we would not get all of it back, but there was always a risk we wouldn't get some of it back because the longer the thing went, the more likely businesses weren't going to survive it. And if you gave a loan in the first two months of it or the first month and a half of it, you know, if they were a year later, if they couldn't survive, um, you know, because we triggered repayments um, to be starting when the emergency was over and none of us knew that when that would be. And it hasn't ended. I was going to say, we still don't, do we? We're still under an emergency (laughs) order. Um, So, um, so, you know, that was the sort of the way it went. And like I said, the council was, was, you know, they recognized the need, the reason, the need to help. And they, and, and, and put aside what I would call as the normal governmental risk aversion and said, let's do this. And if it works, it's great. But if it doesn't work in terms of getting repaid, 
we still really tried to do something that was helpful. Um, that was the mindset. Um, and I think everybody went into that with wide open eyes. Um, and, you know, and, and, and the back end of it, um, just like the businesses eventually got support. It didn't look like cities were for a long time, but we eventually got support thanks to the county initially, and then thanks to the state, um, and then thanks to the federal government. So we've been able to convert all $3 million or $2.9 million of loans we made to grants. So that's the, that's the win-win of this, is that the money that we put at risk, we've gotten it back, and the business has never had to pay any of it back. Um, so we converted all that to grants over a couple different phases. The last phase earlier this year, uh, we went and we got our federal ARPA money. Um, and you know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that there's, in a there's not a lot of things in the public sector that sort of have that instant gratification that did. And it's, it's nice that we were able to pull that off. And, and, you know, it's gratifying, you know, that a lot of cities have done something similar since we did it. And a lot of them called us and asked, you know, how we did it and asked for how we put the program together and the documents and stuff. And, um, you know, we didn't ever expect to be loan officers or, <laughs> or what have you. Um, but, um, and then we've, you know, and then we've sort of taken that model and moved it forward for the nonprofits now. And so that's, well, that's what I was going to get into. And I was going to ask you about that, but it's just that, that it was so impactful, not just the amount of money, the $3 million, but the timing of it was so critical because, uh, business owners had no hope. They didn't know what they were going to do. You know, they've worked years and years to build up their business and now they're out of their control. There's nothing they can do. So again, kudos to you and your Thank staff you. for putting together that program. Um, and, and again, not just the amount of money, but the timing was so, so critical. And so, yes, that brings us to now the, uh, uh, 501c3 nonprofit community grant program is, uh, is now the next step. And that's, and we're in the middle of that right now, right? Right. So, um, earlier this year, the Congress passed and then President uh, Biden signed what's called ARPA. I forget what it actually is. American Rescue Plan Act or something like that. I always forget what I these acronyms are. I think that's acronyms. right, yeah. I, think what, I always forget what these acronyms <laughs> really stand for, but it, everybody calls it ARPA. Um, and what that meant was is that every city in the country was going to get some federal dollars to assist getting out of the pandemic. And so for San Marcos, um, it was nine. $1 million over two years. So we got the first $9 million this year. We'll get the second $9 million next year. Um, and there were a lot of regulations as to how that money could be used, um, as there always are with federal dollars. And so, um, you know, we took the usual San Marcos approach of we didn't get too far out in front of us talking about how we were going to use it. It's like, well, let's wait until the federal government puts the – I know they passed the law. The law says this, but the guidelines is what really matters. And so we got to wait for the guidelines to come <laughs> out. Um, and, and they came out a couple months after the law passed. So, But it's clear that that law is intended um, to help cities who've suffered – budgetary issues, revenue hits, which we certainly have, um, and also to help put money back into the community, whether it's the business community or the nonprofit community or, or just under, you know, people that are struggling. Um, you know, we had set up a rental assistance program with other funding last year to help folks who were having a hard time making their rent payments. Um, that's still, there's still money available that people can go to the city's website and look that up. Um, but as we were developing, okay, what are we going to do with this first $9 million? Um, you know, the, the subject again came up was like, well, we, we help the businesses, but we haven't really done a lot for the nonprofits. Um, so we took 3 million of that $9 million, 
Um, and we partnered up with the Leech Tag Foundation and Rancho Santa Fe Foundation and the Coastal Communities Foundation to have them manage it because we don't know the first thing about managing a grant program, reviewing grant applications. It's just not something that's in the city's DNA. Um, so we've hired them. We've given them the $3 million and said, you guys go ahead off and create the, you know, we'll, we'll let us see what you're going to do in terms of the process. And then you're going to make the decisions on who gets what grants and what have you. Um, and so, um, that happened, uh, we signed that agreement in August, I think it was, or maybe it was in July. Uh, nevertheless, uh, they've issued on a, the, 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 the managers have now done on a monthly basis, a series of grant awards. And so we've actually granted out a half a million of the $3 million already. Um, and then every, month, they're getting applications from San Marcos uh, serving nonprofits, reviewing them, and then issuing the grants and then give us a sort of a, a monthly report on that. Um, so, you know, the caveats are you have to be demonstrate that you're serving San Marcos residents. So it's not, you can be a, a nonprofit that's got a regional, some regional impact, but you got to be able to show how San Marcos is benefiting from your activities. Um, you have to be able to show that there was actually a COVID impact to your activities. Um, and then, you know, and then the, they're, they're looked at and then give, you know, granted that out. And, um, and so that's, you know, I think that's been a, a winning, uh, program so far as well. And I know some other cities are now looking at doing something similar with their ARPA funds. Um, but again, it was, it was just sort of crystal clear that the intent of the Congress was that that money get out into the community. And so that's what we tried to do. With well, and, and I think for the 501c3s, I mean, so much of the fundraising that they do is through events. And so you couldn't do events. And mm -hmm. for multiple years, I know for us, um, you know, the Harvest Fest and, and Street Fair that we had, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was like the first time we were able to do a street fair in a couple of years. So it's right, uh, right. Uh, and, and actually it was probably the best we've ever had as far as attendance because people were just, crowd. yeah, I mean, they were really wanting to get out and, and, and do some things and, and a lot of families and, and that type of environment. So it's, it's, it's great to get back to that. We've been talking with Jack Griffin, city manager of San Marcos. Um, Jack, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, one thing I do have to ask you since our, since our teams don't play in October, typically, <laughs> never uh, right. Once in a century for me. Um, so uh, who's going to win the series? I think the World Series, by the time this is released, I think the World Series may have maybe started. But okay, so we're making so our picks halfway through the we League got four. Yeah. Well, the Braves are in the Phillies division, and I can never root for the Braves. But, the, you know, going for the Dodgers is difficult, too. But I would say Dodgers in the National League. And uh, I would have thought after game three, I would have gone with Boston. But the way Houston came back last night, I'm going to go Houston, L.A. again. All right, not just to go against you, but because uh, I already had it in my brain, I'm going Atlanta, Boston. Oh wow, Atlanta in six. Okay, I'll go. I'm going to go Houston in six. Sounds right. All right, we shall we shall see. So, um, Jack, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Rick. And thanks for everything that you do, you and your staff do for the city. It's just, uh, I know talking to so many business owners, they're so grateful that they, they do business in um, in San Marcos, and um, just not just that the the grant program and the sustainability program, but just uh, uh, throughout everything that you guys do. And, and it's just, it's so much, it's so exciting to see all the growth that's going on as well. Well, thanks. Really appreciate it. Rick. And thanks to our listeners. Uh, you've been listening to the San Marcos business and community podcast presented to you by the San Marcos chamber of commerce. Thanks for listening and have a great day.